Audrey. And this is Maritza over here in Argentina. Wait, We're where are you? Two Audrey? different continents. I'm in New York. Oh, that's great. Still. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, two I different think before continents. we start, we, I'll give them a little update on what's going on. First of all, I want to apologize for my sound quality since I am in my room currently and still haven't purchased a mic a mic for this and we're kind of figuring out how to do long distance podcasting so um as of now we're skyping each other and recording each other separately um and there's also a construction happening right now next to where i'm living so there's very loud drilling happening like every five to ten minutes so you will have to excuse that for now but hopefully conditions will get better as we go and we're learning. So this is a new chapter for murder weathers. For mm-hmm. murder weather and murder Oh my god, I really cannot pronounce that. Murder weddings alike. And for us. So So yeah, bear with us on the technicalities of this. Um, but how are you, Audrey? I'm pretty good adjusting to life back in the city. Um, with basically everyone I know gone. <laughs> <laughs> No, not everyone I know, but um, no, it's been good. I've just like decided that the semester is really going to be about like me and my work and it's been good so far. I was nervous. I'll admit I was a bit nervous coming back. I didn't know what it was going to be like last spring semester. Last year was a bit rough at the beginning and I didn't want to repeat, but things are things are good. That's awesome to hear. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. Well, I feel like my experience has just begun. It feels pretty fresh still. Um, Over here, we started the semester a lot later. And I just completed my first week of actually living here, which was no classes, just orientation, Um, getting to know the new places, knowing where to like buy groceries, how to use the the bus and the metro and and adjusting to my new homestay and all that. Um, So I feel like my the tone of my semester is about to be revealed this upcoming week when my classes start but overall it's been pretty amazing like everything has exceeded my expectations um the city itself the people um I had almost like very limited knowledge on what the city was and like how um what I was gonna do here and and you know like just in general, like I knew the history and stuff like that, but just I didn't know what the quality of life was here. But it's just proving to be like the best time ever. And I've only spent a week here. So I'm very excited about what's to come. Um, and first of all, a little update, like my I'm staying with a family here and they are the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. Like they are really interesting and very kind and they've yeah made me feel very at home. So I think... Aww. To, to begin with, that's been great um, over here. That sounds wonderful. Thanks. So, 
Should we start off the discussions? Wait, I have more general updates. Oh, yes, please, please, please. I don't know if we were going to... Yeah, well, I was going to talk a little bit about the Women's March that I went to in D.C., um, which was an interesting experience. It was actually... I'm really glad I went. I was a little... um, I think apprehensive a few months ago when it was kind of just starting to be organized because I knew I know at the beginning there were some issues regarding um, sort of the inclusion of like different groups of women yeah um, and like the leadership of of the march I think they really did a their response to it was like really good um, and, and they ended up doing a really good job of, of trying to represent many different groups of people, um, which I think was exactly what was sort of needed um, in this scenario. So that was really cool. Um, I drove out from Minnesota. <laughs> it was a 19-hour drive, um, which, was, which was interesting. I saw parts of the country I'd never seen before. But um, one thing that annoyed me and that sort of surprised me was so the rally the morning of the march started at like 10 o'clock we had been people have been standing around since like seven or eight and it, we were supposed to then march at one o'clock and it was you know one came and went and it was like almost three o'clock and they were still having speakers come on and madonna was performing that's amazing and people were getting <laughs> yeah it was it was really cool they had some really amazing speakers but people were getting so impatient people just started leaving they're like we're gonna march we don't care about this we're here to march and that part that part really bugged me there was someone near nearby that made this sort of like impromptu sign saying like we we're asking you to do this for a lifetime um you can wait 20 minutes so it was just like all these people had their own it felt like all these people had their own agendas and it was, and they were really only concerned with their own schedule when there have been like groups of people who have been doing this sort of work for years and years and years. And finally, you get a, a huge turnout for, for different issues. And it's, you know, very, very, very many white women coming out who, I don't know, it was just, that was the most problematic part for me was that all of a sudden all these people were, were leaving and, and it was... It suddenly wasn't about, like, everyone and all these different causes. It was about, like, just those individual people and what we- they wanted to do. Yeah, I think, the well, a little background for people listening. The, we're talking about the Women's March in Washington that, that Audrey attended. What was it, uh, January 20th? 21st, I think. It was the day after the inauguration. Uh, 21st, yeah. Um yeah, and I, at this time, I was in San Diego when I was watching. And first of all, I was so impressed with the outcome just around the world, all the marches that happened. There was one in San Diego that I unfortunately didn't go to. Um, but yeah, like you're, what you're saying, I think I was talking to someone about this the other day, how it's so hard to, like, feminism is one of the hardest movements ever to, like, administer not even to like be a part of but just to administer because you know feminism is a movement that sets out to represent basically half of the world because it's just women you know and we and our our principles are that we 
you know, want equal rights for all women, regardless of, of, of any sort of other communities that they might belong to. And I think it's so hard to do this because obviously the only unifying factor is that we're women. And there are so many other ununifying factors about us. And when we try to, there the drilling goes, sorry, that's what it's going to sound like. Um, And when we all try to define a movement of this type, or we try to organize or rally around this, this one common thing, like we are women, there's obviously going to be so many differences and so many generalizations that are done that can affect um, particularly minority groups. And I think it requires a lot of compromise from everyone, especially the loudest voices in the rooms. And and a lot of the time people don't know how to navigate this. And I'm not saying that it's those people's faults because it's just hard for everyone. Like I wouldn't know how to do it either. I don't think even the most qualified people know how to do it. It's really hard to to make room for every single voice when there is just like a few mics to, to pass around, you know? Um, and I think yeah. as part of us, us, as part of this movement have to kind of recognize that, that we're not always going to, I, at least vocally be the most inclusive at all times, because it's kind of impossible for one human to account for like 400 different personalities. I don't know. What do you think about that? I agree. I just, I think it requires a lot of self-reflection and consciousness and also like acknowledge acknowledgement of where the different manifestations of like feminism have fallen short throughout history where you think of like feminism in like the western world quote unquote western world um in like the 1800s and the 1900s and it revolved largely around like white femininity and and white women often at the expense of women of color and the exclusion of of those women especially if you think of like women's suffrage in in the u.s or even in europe yeah and i think there's ways to do that a conscious effort to you know acknowledge that you're talking about like there's ways to do that but i i too often hear of ways of doing that that silence this majority quote-unquote I don't know if it's a majority but like these these voices you know what I mean and I I'm all, always I've always been against censoring any sort of speech so that even means like oh you know you don't deserve to speak out because your type of race has, has always had the louder mic you know what I mean do you know do, do you get what I'm saying like I also don't I'm not for censoring these voices even though um they might have to have more consciousness than the others when it comes to speaking about the history of their of their sort of feminism. You know what I mean? So I, I think there's a way to, to still be conscious of it, you know, for these people to be conscious of their privileges and whatever, but but not be um, excluded from, you know, still being a part of the march. And I do want to say, I don't know if everyone's aware, but... The women's marches around the world and and in Washington weren't necessary because a lot of the headlines were um, women marching against Trump presidency, and I don't think that's what the what they were set out to do. I think I thought it was just asserting wo- woman's place and woman's rights in 
the broader scheme of like the new administration just like asserting ourselves but it wasn't really going against any administration would you say i don't know there was a lot of i mean it definitely was in response i believe to trump's election um and there was a lot from the speakers at the rally i was at there was a lot of rhetoric surrounding fighting against this particular administration and obviously that also included in like the broader scheme of things all these issues that people have been fighting for for years and years and years and I just I think it's kind of come to a a very heated culmination at this point in time and I mean this was before all the other events unfolded right we were the first week of February now and obviously there's been a lot of other headlines that haven't been too too positive and inclusive um so i wonder had the march taken place next week what the messaging would have been how it would have been different yeah and i know there have been a lot of marches throughout the country a lot especially in new york regarding like the refugee and the muslim ban Mm -hmm. and and um the other issues that have that have come up since the women's march right yeah well it's been interesting to say the least i definitely think (laughs) it has been an opportunity for like the united states constitution and the checks and balances of the judicial system to like shine through because um as we've reviewed in the past few weeks with the muslim ban with uh that one judge that spoke out um, and is, you know, taking the whole executive order to trial. I think I'm gaining a little bit more confidence in the system. And I think, um, I mean, it's still, we don't know yet what's, what will happen with that, with the legality of it. But I think I'm gaining more confidence in knowing that, you know, we're not under a dictatorship, believe it or not. Like, there's still a lot of rules that this man has to adhere to and, you know, a country and a constitution that was set out to protect the people and the freedom of the people. So so who knows? I mean, I know even just, like, this being out and about and it being an idea that is circulating is not positive, but there have been many ideas in the history of the United States that have circulated that have been, like, terrible things for people and their liberties. And there's always been a judicial system that has backed it up and 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 corrected those ideas, I think. So do you feel safe in that way? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not an expert and, you know, there's a, I think there's a lot of worry about certain similarities between what is happening here and what has happened in in past countries like what happened in germany before you know like in the 1930s and um i don't know i'm i don't have enough knowledge about like history or or politics to i just hope that that every that things do find a way of evening out and i hope that um the opposition to the administration can find a way and the Democratic Party can find a way to kind of restructure itself um, around new concerns and uh, in in the opposition to what is happening. Yeah. For the, to that, I actually want to read 
an expert uh, excerpt, not expert, an excerpt to you from this book I just read, which if I feel like a lot of people have read this last year because that's when it came out. Um, it's Tanehisi, Tanehisi. I get, I get code. Tanehisi. Coats. <laughs> Sorry about that. Between yeah. the World and Me, which is a very well-known book. Mm-hmm. And he's like a, a writer for the it's Atlantic. Very yeah. good. It's amazing. I read it in like two days. So at the end, you know, he has this... Have you read it, Audrey? I have. Yeah, you know how they, he refers to the general like makers of the narrative of what the United States is as like the dreamers. He keeps calling them that and generally referring to white people and people who like structured... Um, the narrative of like the American dream and so on and at the end he's like talking you know this whole book is written to his son and Ta-Nehisi Coates is a, is a black man writing to his black son in um, modern America and um, he talks about kind of how one must like a repressed body must like navigate through the world and how one must communicate with you know forces that might oppress him and stuff like that and how one should use their own body to um kind of assert their history but also like live still and live in harmony with with the place they are and then at the end he says this to his son and i think it's really moving i think there's a lot there of course this is about you know black people living in america but i think we could use some of this to apply to you know fighting a or not fighting but resisting a an administration that might um you know that we might feel attacked by he says Um, to his son struggle for your grandmother and grandfather for your name but do not struggle for the dreamers hope for them pray for them if you are so moved but do not pin your struggle on their conversion so what i what i get from this is that we so often you know uh fight like a what's the word like just like directly fight the the person that you know is oppressing us like oh f this person f this administration f this president not my president blah 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 and we rely on our well-being to be that person having a change of heart converting himself into one of us or that republican converting himself into one of us or that uh, racist converting himself into one of us but there's other ways to to go about this like we can uh, putting instead of putting all that energy on a negative force, putting it on ourselves or putting it on our community, and in uh, reinforcing, you know, the the power and agency that we do hold because we are the people. So, mm-hmm. um, you know what I mean? Do. You... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that reminds me actually of um, an article I read recently about or written by um, a student who goes to. A, school or university in Washington DC who's from Syria but whose family moved to Turkey a few Mm -hmm. years back um and whose visa was recently revoked um but it's so interesting because she writes about how it's almost a very optimistic approach to the situation she writes about how she can what she will do from here she says Something like I will I will go to the, go to school in Canada or I will go to school in the UK. I will do this. I will keep working for the goals that I'm working towards. I will be okay. Yes. And then she she ends by asking America, "Will you be okay?" Wow. 
and it's I don't know it's just it's like it's a beautifully written piece um I could see if I can find the link I don't remember exactly what it's called but yeah yeah because in the end you know as we've seen time and time again like um administrations come and go laws come and go executive orders come and go as like as we've seen Trump um undo a lot of Obama's executive orders and and in the end the residency of the people is what we'll tell and then we only really really have to live with the decisions we make ourselves every day you know there's there's only so many ways in which a president affects our daily lives you know what I mean um Mm -hmm. and I think the the more we can regain our agency and our autonomy you know in regards to our administration I think uh the more the happier we can live in this world and I and I really really want to stray away from the narrative of being like you know we're all doomed this is over um etc etc because I really think there's more to us than than just giving in and and giving up and burning things and protesting every day I think there's there's more resiliency in us and more positivity and I think that's what what is more needed right now than anything and artists are this is the best time for us artists like this is when more production, like it's it proven time and time again that like repressive regimes will always bring beautiful art. So at least that's something to look forward to, you know. Mm-hmm. And compared to the rest of the world, we are okay, wouldn't you say? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess this is a, as good a time as any to transition into, I guess, the main event for today. Yes. Um, with a new international or like transcontinental edition of Murder Weather, we are bringing to you, a, or Maritza mainly, is bringing to you a little piece about about travel and, yeah, I think it just fits really well in with with our new version. Yes. So, yeah, since we we have said before, we are transcontinental now, which is cool. Um, and <laughs> on my way here, I traveled here to Buenos Aires a week ago, so last Monday. And, and yeah, I was always, every time I travel anywhere, I reflect on the experience of, like, physically moving spaces so fast. And there's always this feeling that comes up every time I do this. And this is not the first time I've ever lived abroad. I've done it before. And it's always a different experience, of course. But there's always this one feeling that's kind of hard to put words on that I get. Um, that I feel like, I don't know, you can tell me if you felt that before, too. Um, you know, when you, I don't know, if you're taking a road trip out of the city or if you're, uh, you know, going out camping or if you're taking a plane ride out of the country or across the country or something and and usually we travel in these very conditioned spaces like a highway or a plane or a train or any sort of like metal mass object or all these things that we travel in and it's usually um, the same things we see so we see windows and wheels and fast um, scenery that we don't really get to stop and watch and and then we're in a new place and that's kind of like the new way we travel. And people back in the day used to travel by foot, you know, and they used to take their time and they used to see around their surroundings and they would gradually see their surroundings change as they were traveling. And I feel like we don't really have that that experience anymore because we, you know, modern technology lets us travel so fast. 
So I was browsing and I read this beautiful essay by Wendell E. Berry. He's like a, an American novelist, poet, and environmental activist. This is his little um, bio. Um, and I don't think he lives anymore, but he wrote an essay called An Entrance to the Woods. And it's kind of about this idea um, about him traveling out of New York to upstate New York and then going into the wilderness and kind of like, uh, you know, traveling away from his social surroundings and and all that. And then there's this beautiful part, well, there's a few parts that I want to read out that kind of like uh, resonate with this feeling that I'm talking about of like moving places and then kind of move, your body is moving to a different space, yet your mind takes way longer than your body to transition to a different area. And how it's, how important it is to ref, to take the time to reflect all those hours, you know, weeks sometimes it takes or months that it used to take people to travel to different places. Uh, for yourself to reflect and then to have your mind adjust to the rest of your body. Um, I think when I start reading this, I'll, it, the sentiment will be a lot clearer, but okay. Um, so he says, Though I am here in body, my mind and my nerves too are not yet altogether here. We seem to grant to our high-speed roads and our airlines the rather thoughtless assumption that people can change places as rapidly as their bodies can be transported. That, as my own experience keep proving to me, is not true. When Indians and the first white hunters entered this country, they were all together here as soon as they arrived, for they had seen and experienced fully everything between here and their starting place, and so the transition was gradual and articulate in their consciousness. Our senses, after all, were developed to function at foot speeds, and the transition from foot travel to motor travel in terms of evolutionary time has been abrupt. Uneasy as this feeling is, I know it will pass. Its passing will produce a deep pleasure in being here, and I have felt it often enough before that I have begun to understand something of what it means. So you can all, I can link the essay to to our post so people can read it because it's I, honestly this these are just a few sentences out of the few pages of the essay, but it's quite a beautiful writing if you ever want to read it because um, it really goes deep into and how our minds kind of are different from our bodies and how we can, you know, shift spaces and, and, and things, but our consciousness are kind of like follow us everywhere and they kind of exist separately to our bodies. Um, and the pace at which, at which they move is a lot different too. Um, I don't know. What do you think about this? Is it too abstract to understand? I find it so <laughs> accurate. It's <unbelievable. laughs> That's... I mean, that's when I was reading it, it was it basically like explains exactly how I feel when I move back and forth, even from school. You know, that's like a a three or two and a half hour, three hour flight. Yet every single time I I switch from New York to like Minnesota, it's that weird day or two of like trying to adjust to that way to that way of life that is becomes so ingrained in you after a time but then but like switching it is so it's so hard for me it's always been something like I've struggled a lot with as well yeah me too and it's weird because I used to have these like you know it mixes in with the jet lag and it's like travel blues or like missing home or you don't you're not sure what it is but it's like two or three days where you're just like trying to adjust and this kind of put words to feelings for me and um, said like, yeah, you know, it used to take people 
months to get from like London to New York, for example. They had to go on, you know, through the Atlantic and they would see, you know, stuff change and they would have every night go to sleep and know that they they were moving as they were going. And now literally it can be five hours to go to from London to New York and you'll be there and 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 then your mind again, like he says, your senses develop at foot speed. So if you just went like thousands of th- thousands of foot speeds, I mean, at footsteps per, you know, hour, there's no way you're going to adjust as fast. And I think, yeah. So for this, the last sentence that I read from him was like, I know th- the feeling of uncertainty of being here will pass, but it kind of, it kind of is a beautiful feeling to know that you're like, I don't know if I'm getting too like gushy and stuff, but it's like, um, <laughs> of like. Yeah, we're moving places, we're moving consciousness, and although it might not seem like you're all together here, you know, there's a beautiful experience of, like, transition that is happening, and, and I love and I love mm-hmm. it, I think, I, as, as confusing as it can be for people. And for me, it was kind of crazy, because I had such a long, like, travel period coming here. I left home um on monday well actually no i left on sunday and then i flew because i'm quite stupid i flew from san diego to la and then stayed in which is like a 20 minute flight and then i stayed in la for four hours and then from la i flew to lima peru and then it was like a nine hour flight and then i stayed in peru for like two hours and then i flew from peru to buenos aires and that was like four to five hours and then, so the full the full thing was like nineteen hours, including layovers. And um, I was just so tired. So I got to Argentina the next day, and plus the time difference, it was like seven p.m. the next day, when I left home home the day before San Diego time, three p.m. So it was just like a full day. And then I got here, and you know. I was so overwhelmed. I got to school and then we did like the papers and registering and all that. And then um, my host mom picked me up. We came to our house. I saw the house and I was like, wow, this is so nice. And then we're in a really cool neighborhood. Um, It's called, it's like the Soho of New York. Um, It's called Soho or Palermo Viejo, which is like old Palermo. Um, And it's really nice. I love it here. It's like beautiful. Um, And then, yeah, and then the whole week we spent like, doing really fast um, like tours and seeing new sites and historical places and stuff like that and then also just like figuring out where the grocery star- stores are and all that that I mentioned before um, but yeah I think that's aw- that's an awesome thing about traveling just the process of getting there and what that does to the body yeah I've, I feel that that reminds me of just when I last summer I took a trip to Ireland Scotland and England on my own and I I kind of went all over the place so it was like transitioning was really weird because I would spend I think the longest I ever spent in one place was like three Mm -hmm. days three or four days um but you know some places I was like in and out within within a day and it um that was definitely something that was um sort of sort of difficult to adjust to but I in the end it kind of made me feel I sort of feel like I developed this sort of like lightness in order to be able to move such long distances um 
all like in a short amount of time is like you have to develop a sort of new mindset and I ended up feeling just like so liberated by the end of it yeah but it was and now and I didn't even realize it at the time and it's only kind of been on reflecting on the experience that I've realized yeah you become more flexible and and that's so hard for me because Mm -hmm. I'm uh, I always need to know where I'm going I need to have a schedule I need to have like structured things and then yeah I've experienced a lot of like getting more flexible this week like I've gotten frustrated a lot because we're traveling in huge groups and then we have to compromise all all over the place and then I have to get lost because I don't know where I'm going ever and I still try to lead everyone because I I'm always that kind of person but yeah um yeah there's been a process of like just letting go and you know giving into the experience etc um so since it's a new year I feel like we should talk about a little bit about what we want our years to look like maybe give some inspiration to people that um, that are kind of planning their years <laughs> ahead and what kind of attitude to take to take yeah. on with them. I can start with mine if you want, if you have any. Yeah, go um, So most of mine are obviously colored by the fact that I'm in a new country. Um, and, and, you know, I want to do things differently than usually, than usually or usual. Um, and I think my first one is super broad, but... I feel like I don't, I don't do this enough. So I wrote it down and it's just like, it says, do things with meaning. And I feel like in New York, I get lost in like how fast everything is and how much, how many things there are to do that I just kind of do everything and do it all because I can do it. And now I want to do things that are meaningful, like that have a reason and have like a reason behind it and are you know, celebrate intention and all that that, it, that that means. Like, the books I read, the things I do, like, the places, you know, I only have so much money, so I can only go to a few places while I'm in South America, so I want them, the places that I do choose to go to, to be meaningful, and for me to, like, have studied them before I go, and, some, you know, and then the interactions that I have to say things that I mean and do things that I want to do, etc. I feel like that's important for me this year, because I did find myself last semester doing a lot of things just because I could do them and just because I had the time to or just because I had the money to or just because they were available and they didn't really mean much to me, some of them. Um, Mm -hmm. And then another one is more practical. I want to spend more time learning facts and words. I feel like a lot of my arguments are very generic and based on feelings and things. And I want to learn more facts. I just want to base my things. Yeah, we were talking about this. I just want to base my my, – like things on facts and I just want to be able to like give you guys a fact a fun fact a day or something I don't know I want to do that more <laughs> and then we ha- that's a conversation I want to do at, in a future episode yes. about like the validity of using like emotion in arguments yeah we're doing that for sure but yeah and then yeah. it says interact with locals genuinely and openly I feel like a lot of times when I travel I'm like yeah oh my god, let's talk about your accent. Oh, your accent is so funny. And then like, oh, what's it, what are the stereotypes about your country? Let me like ask you about all of them. I just want to interact with people as people and be like, let's talk about this, not about where we're from, just about this book that I read today or this thing that is happening in the, in the world. I don't know, more genuine interactions and more open to like not constrain like my idea of people based on where they're from, etc. Um. And then the last one, and I always have this, read more. <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, yes. I did never quite, I never quite do it, but I always, I feel like it's always important to just set out to read more that year. Yeah. How about you? What are you feeling? 
some of my stuff is very similar to yours. I just, last semester, I feel like a lot of my, like, studio work um, as, like, a drama major got kind of lost in my, my two academic classes that I take, um, and that they were, it was kind of, like, overshadowed by just all the, the homework I had to do. Um, this semester, I'm really trying to, like, inform my work with sort of, like, working on myself. A lot of what some of my teachers have talked about is as an actor is like you do, you know, you do scene work, you do technical things with with speech and movement. But so much of it is also um, work on yourself. So what I'm really trying to do this semester and, you know, this forever, <laughs> forevermore yeah. um, is like is just do stuff that because everything will end up kind of influencing your work as an artist and just as yeah. a person. Um, so I'm really trying to just, like, acknowledge how, like, the the things that I read, the music I listen to, the things I watch um, all kind of play into my work. Um, so I'm just also trying to do stuff for myself more. Like, I'm, I'm reading more. I'm actually reading more just fun stuff for me which is amazing um i'm teaching myself welsh what which is like a new Audrey, <laughs> i think that's amazing a new thing it's a dying language it's so fun yeah i mean less than a million people speak it it's like now like 16 percent of the actual population of wales only right speaks it, yeah so. um i was just like why not it's been really interesting and fun that's um, awesome and just like I've also gotten much more interested in, in film, and I would like to do an episode where we talk about, like, film stuff in the future. I think that would be, be fun. Um, just, like, exploring what interests me and what, and like, what I want to do, yes. you know? Yeah, I good. think we should all do that this year. Since it's going to be an uncertain year, the mm -hmm. only certainty is that we have ourselves every day, so why not invest some time yes. in, in ourselves? And then another one can be... Um, this podcast. Yes. Yes, it will be amazing. I'm excited for what's to come, Audrey, and I love it. I love this. It's going to be so hard to do to not see you every day and to plan these out in person. I know it's going to be weird. Um but yeah, I'm excited for what's to come. I think there's going to be some some great stuff coming up we have a lot of ideas for where we want to go with it and of course Maritza will be able to tell us all about her life in Argentina so I think it will be, be great so stick around and any suggestions you know where yes. to reach us and so on and so forth right yes we love you all we will see you soon I love you Audrey and I miss you I love you too Maritza Aww. All right, bye murder weathians. Bye peoples. We'll see you. We'll see you soon.